When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Aaron Hogan, Rod Paper, Austin, Texas Sports, The Horn. Hook them up with Ian Rod B. Rolls on with you and your uh, messages on the text line is an important part of the program. 512-447-3776. Um, a lot of thoughts coming in. Somebody said uh, with Tony Pollard, probably makes sense. Most younger people get their news from social media these days. That's true. Mm-hmm. And if Tony Pollard did indeed shut down the uh, social medias, that's where you get your, your, your info a lot of times. Yeah. I long for a day for that, Rod. I'm 51 now. One of these days, I'm going to take like a month-long vacation and just shut it off. Uh, yeah, you probably won't, honestly, because we're so addicted to them now. Well, no, I, I could do it. For me, it's it's you know unless I'm, I'm away, uh, but because that's why I would love to go at least a week without even glancing at my phone and or any social media. But you know, it's our job. I mean, the prep exactly. five-hour sports talk show. Yeah. I mean, it, you, it's constant. Looking for news, looking for stories. And once you get behind like that, in oh. the job, you you stay forever feeling like you're catching up. Yeah, it's easier just to stay current with all that stuff. Yeah, as yeah. it happens. Even right? when you're not working on the weekend, I'm sure you like glance through everything and all those oh, get 100%. you a mental rolodex together about all right, this is these are the stories that I would talk about. These are the big stories. Yeah, and that day. can change as the yeah. day goes, but you're kind of always. I get to ask that a lot from people when you're out and about. Hey, how how how. how how often? How long do you prep? I'm like, that's constant prep. Yeah. The prep never stops, really. That's the best um, way to prep is never stop yeah, prepping. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you just don't shut it off. But well, that's why I say one of these days I just love to shut it off. <laughs> just, it's yeah, like, it's so. But they're so they're so now interwoven into our personal and professional lives. Like you talk about the professional aspect of it. That's why you rely so heavily on social media. And then personally, we rely. Like some people, you don't do it a lot, but a lot of people. They post on social media just like their everyday thoughts and opinions yeah, do about other stuff. You just use it for a professional, like just for professional reasons. Some people, they use it like it's, like, it's a personal sounding board. Yeah, 100%. It's a bathroom wall for them. They just yeah. write stuff on there and then keep it moving. Well, I, I mentioned this <laughs> earlier this week when Mike Craven was hanging out with him. Thanks to Mike, by the way, the senior writer at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Shout he out. was in for a couple hours each day when you were out getting your wisdom teeth out. And he, by the way, he was in College Station yesterday for the Mike Elko. Mike Elko news conference. Oh. Sark had his. Mike Elko had his. And Mike had a funny toy. I mean, he said press conferences are fun again in College Station because apparently like five separate occasions Mike Elko made everybody laugh, which Jimbo Fisher never did that. Like, well, like, <laughs> they didn't understand what he was saying. He was cracking jokes. Y'all just didn't get him. Yeah, he was. It'd be Cajun to get them jokes, man. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to play a piece of sound for you from Mike Elko coming up because apparently he, uh, he, he has declared something uh, as far as Texas versus Texas A&M goes that we need to discuss. Oh. Uh, but – I mentioned that you know one of the our bosses and our our digital bosses over the years have always encouraged us to tweet more and put more social media out there and you know I don't personally like doing that a lot and and one of the things I don't like doing I don't like tweeting live during a game some because, people love it because I, I fell in love with with talk radio because of the post game mm-hmm. like waiting till the game's over immediately talk about it yeah. but like during the game you can like 
you say, oh, what a dumb call, what a dumb play. It's a long game. It's mm-hmm. a long game. They're bad stretches. Yeah. Because, like, Texas basketball, you're ripping them in the first half, but they damn near won the basketball game. Which, I mean, it's fair, but I'm not good at that. I'm not good at the – I like to wait to see the whole puzzle played out and then yeah. have my opinions on the game. Exactly right. Um, but, you know, a lot of people, they, they tweet possession play by, by possession. Play. Yeah, play by play, man. They yeah. get it in there. Yeah, it's like – And I, and I, I don't type that fast, number one. So it'll be yeah. delayed. I'll be talking about a play like four plays ago, and you would be like, what's Robbie talking about? Like, that was something to play from, from four, that third yeah. down. Was, but. but as you said, it's almost become a habit that you just – as oh, yeah. you're watching a game now, for a lot of people, they just they got to be running commentary. They got it exactly, and you know, and they can say it's good because it's a social agent. It brings people together, and that's the discourse happening about the game. There's people online talking about it, talking about this call, the coaching call. That was a bad call. Uh, this play was a great play. It's impactful. All that stuff. It is. But I'm with you. I yeah. I'm not yet. I'm not addicted to social media yet. I don't know if I ever will be. No. Some people are addicted to it. No. I mean, I could. If not for this job, I could go without. Because when you have kids, you have have to have a phone, right? You got to be when you have kids, especially when you get the teenage kids that all drive, Mm -hmm. and you got to be available. You you have to be. You know, something could happen at any minute, right? And so uh, that's true. That's that's important. And uh, but you know, the social media part, I could go without that for quite a while. I really do believe that. But uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm gonna challenge myself. What Charlie Strong say? Downfall of society. <laughs> a lot of ways it is. A lot of ways it connects people in better ways than ever before. But, yes, there are goods and bads, without a doubt. But uh, a lot of social media talk. Hey, let me play this for you, though, because, Patrick, I just sent you this because our man CB, our man uh, CB on Twitter and on our text line, uh, show historian, can we say this? This is uh, Mike Elko yesterday at the, at the uh, signing day news conference for the Aggies. They did get a big get. Yep. Um, Terry Bussey, the two-way Timpson athlete mm-hmm. signed over with uh, A&M over LSU and Mike Elko did announce that he's going to start his career at cornerback cornerback because okay. they think he's uh, that's where he's going to begin but they're going to use him on kick return and that kind of stuff but here's Mike Elko we'll see what the uh, Longhorns of course play the Aggies coming up this November for the first time in more than a decade um, you know we're the flagship program in this state right and and um, you know wow there was we're the flagship program wow. in this state um, somebody posted what? this presented without comment. Damn. <laughs> I mean, hey, what did great George Costanza say? It's not a lie if you believe it. So, so go it, ahead, go it's ahead. Only three seconds. Go. Can we have that again? Because we need to save this. It's package. not a lie if you believe it. This will be played a lot between now wow. and November. One more time, Mike Elko, new head coach at AM. Um, you know, we're the flagship program in this state, right? And and. It was hard for him to get out. He couldn't even get it out, naturally. You see, you know how he struggled to get it out? We, oh, I almost hurt him to try to get it out there. He didn't want to say that because he knows it's not true. No, That's this is what true. happens when you first join a cult. It really You're is. You're like, everybody <laughs> loves everybody. And then, you know, it gets easier as time goes on. And I always say, it's a great point. And, I, you know, I, I'm an Aggie sympathizer. Everybody knows I was almost an Aggie myself. So I don't just hate on the Aggies uh, exclusively like a lot of Longhorn fans do. But I've always said that when the Aggies, when their coaches are saying some of these, what, some, what Longhorn fans believe are outlandish, <laughs> uh, ridiculous things, like they're the flagship in the state, it's mostly because they're talking to their constituents. Like this is, they're directed at their fan base. And they're giving, they're giving their fan base, uh, they're giving them what they want to hear. Red meat, baby. They're giving them what they want, what do they want to hear. What do the Aggies want to hear more than anything? We're the flagship program of this state. <laughs> yeah, exactly damn it. right. They always, I'm going to take it. <laughs> they've always wanted to hear that, so he's just telling them what they Even want to hear. Even though they're not. They're not. And it's, come on. They're not. They're not. I mean, Texas, I'll admit Texas wasn't for like 10 years. Texas was for 10 years. They were, they were the flagship program in the state from like 1999 to like 2009. And after that. 
I don't know if Texas was the flagship. I don't know if Texas had the best football program uh, in the state at that time. Now, we're talking, I'm assuming he's talking about football here. Um, I'm, they weren't the best football program in the state. Hell, TCU was it at one time, and Baylor was it at one time, and U of H was it at one time. Now they're back, to me, in my opinion, being the, the top football school in the state, the flagship school in the state for football. And it's been a while. This is the first year we can say that since 2018. I guess you could have thrown that out there. It's been two years in the last on, 15. That game. I, 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 Patrick, you were with us yesterday, but I have nominated uh, or at least made the suggestion that the same weekend that Texas plays Texas A&M, the, the Houston Texans who play the Cowboys this year in Arlington, I think that should be the Thanksgiving game. So we get That's within a, a three-day period, mm-hmm. Texans-Cowboys in Arlington and then Aggies Longhorns from College Station. I'm, I'm, on board that. That. I'm on board for that. I'm on board for that. We could do that. I mean, the NFL has the power. I mean, when and Texas they, gets they, to play the flagship uh, <laughs> program, you know, you got to be able to put that big that on a big pedestal. Wow. How about that? If we That would be a great showcase for the great state, man, to have those two games within the same weekend. Uh, one other note, Rod, and then we're going to get to your second rant of the day, but i got to give some props, man. I, I don't know how to give more props to Patrick Mahomes for being the best quarterback maybe I've ever seen play. Exactly. Uh, you know, he was asked this week about, can you chase down Tom Brady's records? He says, you know, I'm going to try. <laughs> I'm going to keep playing. Everything in my power. But let's consider that he does all this amidst tremendous distraction. Mm. Can I just say? Dad getting arrested. You know, I mean, we know Jackson Mahomes, his crazy brother, and his then fiance kept doing dumb stuff that brought him into bad headlines. Mm. Now his father has picked up his third DUI and might That's be going crazy. to jail for That's a long dude, time. Get a driver. And now this is just dropped. Can you play the breaking news sounder, Patrick? Okay, here we go. Uh, breaking news. Brittany Mahomes, wife oh, of Patrick, no. to be featured in the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. Oh, no. And there is a photo shoot that's out, and she looks pretty good. Why does everybody around Patrick Mahomes want to create? He's the, he's the meal ticket here, guys. I oh, know. <laughs> Everybody's trying to distract him. What are we doing? And from getting that cash and getting them titles and getting them rings. But that's, that's, the, that's the brilliance of Patrick Mahomes, right? I mean, the truth is – and he also was that reality show. The quarter was it quarterback? Yes. Uh, on Netflix, remember they shot that too. And I had always been saying that if you look at the the if you look at any of the reality TV or any of the docu series about NFL teams like Hard Knocks, something like that, most of the time those teams underachieve. Have the Jets were the Hard Knocks team this year, right? Yes. Remember I told you I said the Jets will fail miserably, guys, because it's. They're trying to create an authentic football culture. Four plays in. <laughs> uh, exactly. Uh, they're trying to create an authentic football culture around a disingenuous uh, kind of inauthentic concept, which means they're going to try to – they want everybody to be themselves so they can create this really organic football culture, but nobody's going to be themselves around cameras all the time. You just can't. It's, 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 it's not human nature. Yeah, you're going to act. You're going to act a little. You don't know you're acting, but you are. Everybody does it when they turn the cameras on. And therefore, my theory is it's tougher to build a really good culture when you do have the cameras around. So it's not really the cameras more so. It's how people change when a camera is on them. Yeah, they can't be authentic. They can't be authentic. They're going to – a little. And, and, I, and I said, you know, the test from Patrick Mahomes would be because Patrick Mahomes, even with the quarterback being there, they still won the Super Bowl. Like, he did not get distracted there. That's what I'm saying. It this guy's like bulletproof. Yeah, it did. It didn't affect it's him unbelievable. at all. I mean, his BFF, his buddy Kelsey's dating the pop star. I mean, this is all distraction for him. Yeah. He doesn't care. Whole season's been a distraction, basically, and for the you can go to uh, Wide Brittany, receivers, everything. You can go to Brittany Mahomes' Instagram account if you want to see the preview video of her and her photo shoot in the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. I'm sure she looks great. I mean, she looks great. Yeah, I'm she, sure she looks great. She's a, she's a mother, now, mother now that's kept the figure. I'm sure she looks great. She looks great. Um, but 
Yeah, I'm with you. It's, it does seem like everybody around Patrick Mahomes is trying to drag him down, or, or at least they're trying to maximize their fame off of his, off greatness. of his great. And I get it, I get it, I totally get it. But it seems like there'll be that's time for that later on. But I guess not time for her to do the swimsuit edition. She got to do that while she's young and hot. So I guess you got to do that right now. Can't be doing that. You know, Ten years from now, yeah, do it while you still got the tight That's exactly skin. exactly what Miley Cyrus said on Sunday night when she <laughs> did the Grammy. She said, uh, I'm doing this because I look great, and I want to watch myself back tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> so, damn, I look great. As you get older, I've like, worked really hard. Hey, I feel it. Trust me. I look back to my old pictures. I'm like, She damn. said, I never thought I would actually perform on the Grammys because it wasn't my deal. But I wanted it for posterity, right? I want this. Mm-hmm. 50 years from now, people will watch back and say, damn, Britain, the, the Miley Cyrus looked pretty damn good. Yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> I, but that's, you're right. He's got a lot of distractions, man. The dad, I don't know how. Why didn't his dad get a driver? After your second DUI, don't you, don't you think you need to, can't you afford a driver when Patrick Holmes is making that kind of money? Or maybe he's not taking money from his son. He's got his own money. He's well, a major league baseball I, I player. Would, I would agree with your idea of a driver. He might also want to get some help. Yes. No, no, no. You're right. No, no, no. If, you, if you're abusing any type of drug, you need to get some help. That includes alcohol. I totally agree. Yeah, you're right about that. That's first. All right, just get some help. But, man, if you do want to drink, and that's, I don't know if he's an alcoholic or not. Stats would say yes, right? But I, you know, I'm not going to throw that term out there. You might have a drinking problem. But if that's the case and you want to casually be drinking while you know, being about town, get a driver. Make him sign an NDA. Yes. Get a driver, make him sign an NDA, man. Then you, won't, you won't put others' lives in danger. Yeah. You won't put your own life in danger. Your son's well, I mentioned legacy. Early I mean, in the week, I mean, Andy Reid dealt with his own son last did. year going into the Super Bowl. Damn, I forgot all about that. Where his son killed somebody. Yep, smashed he killed into somebody after leaving the facility and had some alcohol. Yep. And what that was last year's Super Bowl, was correct? Was it no, that was the, I think that was the, uh, the, the Bucks one. That was the Buccaneers. That was the Bucks that was one. The Tom Brady that was actually one distraction that did get to him. Yeah. yeah. And, and we talked about that. They did, they, I mean, it was their offensive line was a mess, but they looked like a distracted they football did. team. Yep. And look, I, I don't think anything's going to happen to Patrick Mahomes, but you know – there's a lot going on in his in his in his circle. In his circle, I will say he has a good job, done a good job of shutting down whatever the Jackson Mahomes mess was. His brother, like I mean, that guy was when when as as Patrick well, was rising, that guy was causing all kinds of that's stir. True. But remember, <laughs> he actually got in some real legal trouble. Oh, I think yes, that's what that right he got changed. Sued. Yeah, he, got oh, he got, actually legal. got charged with sexual yes. or, or just some kind of abuse, like some kind of, yeah, physical altercation with a bartender or something. Something weird like or that. A way, or a restaurant yeah. owner. So yeah, it got real. Like like, hey man, hey man, you actually broke the law. You might go to jail for some stuff like that. And I think that's when he changed his ways. Or at least he wanted to be a little bit more low key. Well, and, and to maybe your point just, of the uh, driver yeah. for dad. I mean, come on, man. You played eleven years in Major League Baseball. You know these things. You, you got the money to do this. You're recognizable too. I'm sure in that community. Come on, man. Come on. All right, let's uh, get to Rod's next rant of the day. He does it at six, at seven fifteen and nine fifteen each morning. Rod's Rant of the Day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest and safest way to get a new car, any make, any model. Click AppleLeasing.com and experience how easy it is. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, no, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. Okay, let's get into a little bit. i start with the Chiefs defense. I don't think we've talked enough about that Chiefs defense and how impressive they have been um, so far this season. And I threw this stat out there earlier. Uh, the Chiefs, this is the best Chiefs defense that Andy Reid's ever had since Andy Reid's been there. He has not had a defense this good. They're allowing 15.6 yards, uh, 15.6 points per game, excuse me, in the last 20 games. So over the course of the season, 15.6 points per game. That is huge. Now, the big part of it is, they know how to take away a number one wideout. 
Like, whoever your number one guy is, they're going to take him out. They're going to take him away. Uh, for the 49ers, it's going to be interesting because 49ers, it depends on how teams are defending them as to who their number one wideout is. Now, most people are like, oh, it's Debo Samuel. Of course, he's the all-pro. I mean, he is the kind of the star of that receiving core. It is a lot of the time it's Debo, but Debo, if teams are playing you with a lot of zone coverage, that's when Debo gets a lot of the bulk targets. When teams are playing with a lot of man coverage against the 49ers, Brandon Ayuk is their man beater. Right? Because he, when you try to play man coverage, he's going to end up in man-to-man coverage without help. Most of the time when they play man-to-man on Debo, they double Debo. They double him or they roll coverage his way or, you know, they shift coverage his way. So Debo's not going to get straight up one-on-one. That doesn't happen a lot of the time. But and Christian McCaffrey doesn't usually get one-on-ones with linebackers either. They'll put another DB on top of him to try to make sure that they, you know, obviously cover all their bases. Brandon Ayuk has ended up in straight up man-to-man, and he's usually ended up on man-to-man without help, and that's when he's been eaten. So I don't know who's going to end up being. I don't know if the Chiefs are going to play. The Chiefs like to play a lot of man because they blitz a lot. So they play a lot of man because they want to blitz. As a matter of fact, Kansas City, uh, nobody blitzes their DBs more than Kansas City does, and it's by far and away the most. All right, They are the most blitz-happy team from their defensive backfield uh, in the NFL. And they do a really good job of taking away the number one wideouts. So here are the clear number one wideouts against the Chiefs and what they've done. Stephon Diggs, three receptions, 21 yards. Four receptions, 24 yards. Justin Jefferson, three receptions, 28 yards. DJ Moore, three receptions, 41 yards. Jamar Chase, three receptions, 41 yards. Tyreek Hill, eight for 62 and five for 62. Devontae Adams, five for 73. Amon Russ St. Brown, six for 71. Uh, Garrett Wilson, nine for 60. Keenan Allen, he was four, four for 55. I mean, it doesn't and if you can go look at the wide receivers uh, who are kind of the – they're on the verge of being a top wide receiver or the wide receiver one for their team. Um, you know, those are the secondary options. Those are the guys who've had the biggest games against the Chiefs. All right? Uh, look at Zay Flowers, 5 for 115. Uh, Christian Kirk had 11 for 110. Devontae Smith was 6 for 99. Uh, Christian Watson was 7 for 71. Um, Alan Lazard was 3 for 61. Joshua Palmer, 5 for 133. It almost feels like when you look at the, uh, the blueprint that the Chiefs have, they want to shut down your for sure number one wideout, whoever that's going to be. And for the 49ers, that's Debo. But it's tough to do that with Debo because Debo moves around. He's in the backfield sometimes. They're mostly Debo all across the formation. It's easier to take away Ayuk, potentially schematically, because he is more stationary. All right? They're not going to move him around as much. So watch out for that. They're good at taking away your, your first option at wide receiver. But after that, we've seen some of the secondary options, tertiary options, have success against the Chiefs. And that, in, this, in this case, that means Kittle. I know you're big on Kittle having a big game in this game. Um, he could be one Just of those Just over guys. 48 passing yards, yeah. receiving yards. That's <laughs> my over. Yeah, I, and I, I think you might be right about that because, I, like I said, I, I know Kansas City, they want to play with sub-packages. They want to play with deep, a lot more DBs, five and six DBs. They want to flood the field with speed and then blitz that speed. Um, and one of the things that I think helps them out is they got so much speed on the field, they can cover better. They play sticky coverage. Uh, but that's going to make them susceptible potentially to the power run game, which we'll talk about obviously a little bit later on. So let's look at Brock Purdy against top five pass defenses because that's what Kansas City's defense is. It's a top five pass defense. Um, two, I got two occasions where Brock Purdy has played a top five pass defense. Week six versus Cleveland. Week 16 versus Baltimore. Week six versus Cleveland. He was 44% completion percentage, 425 yards, 4.6 yards per attempt, one touchdown, one interception, 
the 49ers scored just 17 points. Week 16 versus Baltimore, 56% completion percentage. All right, 7.9 yards per attempt, zero touchdowns. He had those four interceptions or whatever it was. The 49ers scored just 12 points before Brock Purdy left the game. So he's had to play a top-five pass defense, which Kansas City is, playing a lot of sticky coverage. He has not had his best performances. And the Chiefs defense ranks third in, in um, per drop-back EPA expected points allowed. Um, expected points added, excuse me. Um, third in success rate allowed. Fourth in explosive play rate allowed. And second in pressure rate this season. So this, that's basically, you, the evidence suggests that this is the best pass defense he's going to face all year. And when he has faced a really good pass defense, E, He's been mediocre. Yeah, I saw him play against the Browns, and uh, that was when Debo got hurt, and it was yeah. bad. It was real. The weather wasn't great either. Yeah, uh, it was a sloppy field and all kinds of things. But yeah, it was not good. And I, I remember coming. You're talking to you. I think it was early on after they played Jacksonville, because remember the Chiefs lost their first game of the year to the Lions, and mm-hmm. it was a really good game. It was lower scoring. I remember it was a. It was you know. It was a Kadarius Tony with the tip drill interception that really yep. led to the Lions win. But even that night, you could see that their defense was improved. And then I saw him play Jacksonville. Remember, Jacksonville was a playoff team last year, and we thought everybody thought Jacksonville was going to take that next step and become, you know, one of these better offenses. A lot of people picked Trevor Lawrence to be the MVP of the league with the, with the weapons he had. Mm-hmm. Early on, man, they just shut them down. And really, for me, it starts and ends with number twenty-two, Trent McDuffie. His, you know, he's a first-round pick out of Washington, uh, the Huskies. And man, that guy can cover. Yep. That guy can cover. You add Legarius Sneed to that, uh, the former Texan, uh, Jordan, uh, you know, Jordan Reed at safety. He's, uh, he's good. Really a good player. I mean, they're, as you said it, they flood it with sec- – and this has been Brett Veach identifying these good, really good cover mm-hmm. corners, kind of like Sark's trying to do right now with PK, trying to, do, do, to identify coverage. And they've done it in Kansas City, and they, they do it to a really high level. I mean, the, the points allowed, the second-half points, the fewest in the league – and this match, everything you're saying just makes this, this game more and more compelling because the matchups are fascinating. It is. I guess it's going to be a hell of a chess match between these two. Um, how about this? When, and I talked about how much Kansas City likes to blitz their DBs. When they blitz at least one DB, just, just blitz one. All right, Kansas City has allowed 3.1 yards per play, and they get a 47% pressure rate. That is, those are really high numbers. just shows you how creative Spags is with his DB blitzes. And Kansas City, this is the one thing, I think this – uh, matchup between the Kansas City defense and the, the, the 49ers offense is going to be the most interesting matchup in my opinion. You've got 49ers who are going to run a lot of 21 and 22 personnel. I talked about this. It's two back, one tight ends, two backs, two tight ends. Anytime, and by the way, Kansas City has only, they, they lined up against uh, teams who ran 21 and 22 personnel, I believe it was 130 times so far this season. 75% of the time they play base defense when they face a 21 or 22 personnel set. Base defense is just four DBs, three or four linebackers, depending on what system you play, three or four defense alignments. So basically base is four DBs. That's your base. All right, nickel five DBs, dime is six DBs. They play base 75% of the time when they go up against or they're defending a 21 or 22 personnel set. That's important. I talked about how Shannon can dictate terms based on formation, based on personnel grouping. If they're going to come, this is not what Kansas City wants to do. They want to come out and with a lot of DBs, flood the field with speed. Nobody play. They play, I believe, only three teams play more dime packages than Kansas City. They like just six DBs. They want to have a lot of DBs on the field. They believe you can, you can better confuse pass protection, and you can also have better pre-snap disguise when you have those DBs moving around. Because DBs do move around naturally, and you can have those guys coming from every different angle. So that'll be interesting to watch. Will Kansas City counter 
the uh, 21, 22 personnel set of San Fran with going base personnel, if they do, advantage San Fran because that's not how Kansas City wants to operate. Um, if Kansas City comes out and decides to go nickel, um, defending those 22 and 22 pers- 21 and 22 personnel sets, by the way, which is 40% of Shano's offense, maybe the advantage switches back to Kansas City. But the Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, Serena Williams, House Cardi B size, but is will San Fran have a rushing advantage? Right when they go 22 or 21 personnel versus um, a nickel set or a nickel package for Kansas City, where they will be lighter, all right, and going up against a heavy set. So this is the chess match that'll be going back and forth. It's going to be fascinating, fascinating. I can't wait. Uh, all, both sides of the ball. You got Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan, two of the brilliant offensive minds in the game, and certainly Andy Reid, one of the all-time brilliant. Uh, Steve Spagnolo, we know oh. he was the designer of the game plan to, to thwart Tom Brady's perfect season. Man. Uh, not go 19-0, and 0, and he did it again to Lamar Jackson two weeks ago. Yes, he did. And that's where I mean, if you're, everything points back to the Chiefs, though the Sharps are still on, on the Niners because the, maybe the biggest single coaching advantage is Spagnuolo versus Steve Wilkes, whose mm-hmm. defense is they had to admit they're loafing uh, in the NFC Championship game and not giving max effort. Mind-blowing. I mean, that's, that's a problem. That's a problem. And, you know, it, they, they've been gouged in the first halves, especially against the Packers and Lions. So, you know, that this is a big one. And as I said, to start the week, it's really amazing to me how the roles have flipped from four years ago. Four years ago, the Chiefs were the dynamic, high-powered, big play offense with Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins and Travis, you know, Travis Kelsey. Uh, and it was the Niners that had the lockdown defense with the game manager at the right. quarterback. This year – Totally flipped. Uh, the Niners are the big explosive offense, highest scoring team in the league, all the weapons and CMC. Uh, and it's the Chiefs that have become it. I mean, whatever we say of Patrick Mahomes, he's more of a game manager now. I mean, yeah, he's, yes. he's dinking, dunking, taking the first downs. Think about those first two drives against the, the Ravens where you just couldn't get him off the field. Nope. Just making plays. Converting. Converting. Yep. You know, we're, not gonna, we're not going deep. You're not going to let us go deep. So we'll just get first downs and uh, we'll execute to the level that will put it in the end zone and He's doing it at a very, very high level. Hadn't thrown an interception in the postseason. And uh, the defense, as you just documented in Rod's rant, really, really, really good. Script going to be big in this game because that's essentially where you got your first two touchdowns, the only two touchdowns for the Chiefs yep. in that game versus Baltimore was basically off the, this opening script. That's right. And after that, uh, the chess match within the game, I think Mike McDonald might have won that actually. Oh, that, uh, but he only lost. gave up three points the rest yeah. of the way. And th- the three points before halftime came courtesy of two personal fouls yeah. by the undisciplined Ravens. And that's why it's going to be big because I think you can just double and triple team Travis. Kelsey, which is what they did not do early yeah. on. I don't know why Baltimore didn't do that. I guess they felt they had Kyle uh, Hamilton. Kyle Hamilton. He can lock him up. He probably could, but that's why you got to watch Kelsey in this game, guys. Last two weeks, Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey, 83% completion percentage when he's targeting those two, 9.3 yards per well, attempt. it's pretty clear late in the season as they had struggled for most of the year, the Chiefs with all the drop passes and who could we trust and that kind of stuff. They just boiled it down. Look, we're going to run the ball more with Pacheco. We'll put yep. more three tight end sets, and we're going to identify Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey when we need the big plays. Pretty much. Period. Uh, and that's where if you're the Niners, you now know that, right? You know that. <laughs> make, make somebody else beat you. That's exactly right. But uh, Patrick Mahomes, that Patrick Mahomes guy is pretty damn good. And now his wife's going to be in the uh, swimsuit edition of Sports Illustrated, the digital one. They're, I don't know if they're going to put out a hard copy this year. I'm not oh, sure. no, I think they're done with those, right? Yeah, I think it's going to be all digital. We'll be back. Hook them up with Ian Rodby. There's Rod's rant. We've got more to come, including the NFL honors tonight. They're going to hand out all the hardware in Vegas. We'll tell you all about that coming up. Some who said that for the end of the hour. Hook them up with Ian Rodby.
Fun Thursday. Hook him up with Ian Rodby. Patrick Davis producing. He'll play some sound for us coming up. And who said that? Who said that? I think you'll enjoy that. There's Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. Said all morning how much I enjoyed watching the, uh, the Greatest Night in Pop last night on Netflix. And uh, I think anybody who likes music was, was around in the 80s will remember We Are the World. Uh, really a behind the scenes of how that all came together, how it happened, how they recorded it over one night in uh, 1985 and got it uh, turned around after the American Music Awards. A pretty pretty fascinating logistical you know challenge that they faced and uh, uh, hurdles to climb and 45, 50 different amazing, hugely ego. Uh, by the way, uh, Quincy Jones. Uh, as you came into the studio where they held it. By the way, that was another big factor, Rod, that you'll see when you watch it. Oh, yeah, Quincy was... That's where to hold it. Yeah. They, didn't, they didn't know where to have it because they, they didn't want word to get out. Yeah, and then media and the paparazzi. Oh, media, man, yeah, yeah, it would have yeah. been flooded. With all those names there? Yeah, those names probably would have left. They'd probably be like, nah, I'm going. Well, that's right. That's exactly what Quincy Jones said. Look, if we, or whoever the producer was, if, they, if this word gets out, everyone's leaving. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Michael will leave. Yeah, exactly. your biggest star is going to leave. <laughs> yeah, they're leaving. They're leaving, yeah, exactly right. And it's amazing when you think about 1985, and it was the biggest stars of that time. It was Michael Jackson. And as I told you, Prince was invited and didn't come. But, um, I mean, Kenny Rogers was huge in country music mm-hmm. at that time. Yeah. That was Kenny Rogers' is, 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 is the gambler, top. baby. The gambler, yeah. <laughs> uh, he and uh, Willie Nelson and Waylon Jennings were there from the countryside. Uh, but, but Kenny Loggins was a huge star at the time. He had just come off, like, doing Footloose mm-hmm. and Top Gun. And was it was Daryl Hall and John Oates? I remember buying the Hall and Oates album when I was a kid. That was a great album. That's good. Uh, I mean, these were these were, and that's where people asked about Dan Aykroyd being there. He's not a singer, but he was one of the bigger you know movie stars at the time because of Ghostbusters and Blues Brothers mm-hmm. and Saturday Night Live. It would be, I would say, you know, because everybody's asked why Dan Aykroyd was there. I would say it would be like they did it today, and Will Ferrell showed up. Like it wouldn't be crazy for Will Ferrell to show up and just be there because he's such a. But it would, would don't you believe it? It would almost kind of mock the the point of it because he it, that's what he's doing. Like I'm not saying he's there. He, he might be serious, but nobody's going to take him seriously. No, he wasn't there. I don't think that's Dan Aykroyd was there to be taken seriously. I know. Singer. That's what I'm saying. Like it, 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 it's tough for us to take it seriously when you're putting someone in it that's for comic relief. Yeah. And they're well, not providing comic relief. They're actually supposed to be just. You know, well, and again, you'll see it when you watch it. But it was, the idea was to get the biggest stars yeah. in the world at the time together to try to bring awareness to what was happening in Africa. Which they did. And so is, from all walks, uh, country music, uh, jazz music, yeah. Bob Dylan, for crying out loud. Bob Dylan. It's in, you know, the more genres we can cover, the more people we can reach and those kind of things. So, I still think it's top ten uh, highest selling single still of all time, right? Yeah. yeah. I, don't really, I believe it is. Yeah, it's still in it. As you hear it in this diary, it's still a real good song. I mean, and, and the fact that I haven't right, heard it forever. I don't think I've listened to we are the world in two decades. You'll hear it when that. you watch the Probably film, longer. obviously. <laughs> and it, um, and 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 it, it, you know, as you'll learn, I mean, Lionel Richie had to write the song under pressure. I mean, they they had figured out all the logistics, and now Lionel Richie had to write the damn song. That's pressure. <laughs> that's a lot of pressure. Because you got a lot of great talented artists who be like, man, I would tweak that. I would change that. I would well, do once this. they had everybody in, they had to send them a demo so they could all kind of hear it and get to know the, the chorus and what they were going to be doing and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, and as I said, Lionel Richie was hosting the American Music Awards. So he's trying to get ready to host this big show, <laughs> writing this song. That, that's a hard worker right there, man. And he called Michael Jackson and he called Stevie Wonder to come help him, and Stevie never showed up. Stevie never called him back. So Michael and he wrote the song. <laughs> he didn't call him back. No. He's got something to do. Yeah, you'll you'll see. Stevie Wonder's a little bit aloof. That's safe to say. He's a musical genius. Because that's the cool thing, right? You have the, all these 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 amazing artists, but some of them are real quirky. Obviously, Bob Dylan was way out of place. Um, you know, Cindy Lauper is trying to fit in oh, with this. Oh yeah, I remember Cindy Lauper. <laughs> she was yeah, a trip. that was good. Yeah, that was good. And then you got Stevie Wonder, who's you know he's he, he kind of work, works on Stevie Wonder time. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, he does. He's Stevie Wonder. <laughs> Stevie Wonder. Yeah. And uh, but, yeah, managing egos. I don't know if there's ever been a project we had to manage more egos than that. I mean, ever. That's wild. Ever. And as I said earlier, the fact that they, they're only they were allowed in the room, so all their handlers and managers mm-hmm. and the people that normally hold their hand through stuff like this, not there. So you actually have to be be vulnerable and talk to people. Wow. By yourself. Yeah. <laughs> without, no, you're right. Without yeah. anybody. No buffer. No buffer. They usually look, want that buffer. And, and you can see it. That's kind of why, why Craig Flowers. See how awkward you, it is sometimes. The body language of people are just trying to. This is so out of their element. Yeah. This it is, is so out of their norm. It's a bit comforting, actually, because we've all felt like that before. Oh, 100%. And just so you know that the biggest stars, iconic stars in the world, oftentimes can feel insecure a little bit. And a little bit starstruck. You've been exposed. Yeah, they became fanboys, too. That's, that's oh, really yeah. cool. Yeah, it was really cool. So yeah. that's a good show. The Greatest uh, Night in Pop is it. Uh, that's what I was watching last night because there wasn't a lot of sports to watch. That's pretty good. Uh, tonight, I will be watching the NFL Honors, Rod. That, Ooh, uh, that's right. I'm, I'm not real thrilled that it starts at 8 o'clock tonight, but that's because they're in Vegas. And it's a West Coast thing, so it starts yep. at like 6 o'clock in Vegas. But they're going to have the red carpet at 7 tonight. Keegan Michael Key will host this show. For hold Key on, hold Peel. on. Oh, okay. I'm going to say. Okay. So he is the host. He's been the host the last several years. That's cool. Um, and they're going to hand out all the hardware. They'll do a red carpet so you get to see all the the stars of the NFL dressed up and, uh, you know, the red carpet deal early. And then uh, all the awards will be handed out, Coach of the Year, MVP, uh, Offensive and Defensive Players of the Year, Rookies of the Year. It'll be a fun night tonight to uh, to celebrate the National Football League. Again, props to the NFL for continuing to just expand their – Reach. I mean, this is, this is now like a must-see, not must-see, but it'll be a, well, the TV ratings for this tonight will be gangbusters. Yeah, they've, uh, they will. It's yeah. on CBS, which is hosting the game on Sunday with mm-hmm. Jim Nance and those guys. Uh, but it'll, it'll be fun tonight just to see those folks in that element, not yeah. playing football. No, I, no, the NFL's done a great job. The NFL will turn something that's supposed to be kind of a, you know, kind of a boring, uh, you know, menial, uh, you know, task for administration. They'll turn it into a TV show. Nobody's better at doing that than the NFL. And they basically stayed done with their award show. At one point, it was just like, oh, we'll announce the awards and hand them out. And then they decided, you know what, let's make it a TV show. That's the NFL's motto. Let's make it a TV show. Let's turn it into a TV show. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> and it works for them. They're really good at it. Um, uh, the, by the, somebody reminded us, the guys, the Blue, Blues Brothers recorded albums and actually toured concert dates and everything. So Dan Awkward technically was a musician at the time. So fair enough. Uh, good stuff on that. Uh, but tonight we'll see. I don't. I, what, if you had to guess one that would surprise us, so we come here tomorrow and we'll say, man, I didn't see that coming with these awards tonight. Is there one that uh, maybe stands out? I mean, I guess Offensive Rookie of the Year is going to go to C.J. Stroud. Yeah, MVP is going to go to Lamar. Lamar is going to win MVP. Because remember, all, I mean, for people who watch this tonight are like, damn. How could uh, D'Amico Ryans not win Coach of the Year over Kevin Stefanski? Well, the, the votes for all of these awards were in at the on the Monday after Week 17. Yep. So w- nothing that's happened since the end of the regular season matters, and no one voted on that. So everything happened. So Lamar Jackson finished with an absolute splurge, right? So what, Lamar Jackson's poor game against the Chiefs won't matter. He played great. Of course, they beat the Dolphins, and they took up the number one seed and uh, all the things they did. So it's going to be Lamar Jackson, probably over Dak Prescott, right? Yes. I think I'm trying to think of who the second. I mean, other than Dak, I I don't know if they'll announce second Brock place. Purdy? Brock Purdy, uh, because your your finalists for MVP are Josh Allen. And these are in alphabetical order, by the way. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Christian McCaffrey, Dak Prescott, Brock Purdy. Yes, I think Dak will be second there. Like you say, it's done after the regular season. Because I think the Purdy McCaffrey vote will split. Yeah. With AP yeah, voters. Yeah. And remember, later on in the season, uh, you know, they kept. I think they started to throw their support behind Christian McCaffrey. As yeah. a team, they started to do that more and more. 
CMC, yeah, and he may win the Offensive Player of the Year. I think he which is the, the next. So maybe he will finish third in the MVP voting, which shows he's Offensive Player of the Year. Because remember, the finalists were released a couple of weeks ago, and this is based on votes received. And for Offensive Player of the Year, uh, Brock Purdy is not a finalist. He is no. a finalist for MVP because that, that's where people argue about what is an MVP most valuable. You know, no doubt, offensive players of the year were Tyree Kill, C.D. Lamb, Lamar Jackson, Christian McCaffrey, Dak Prescott. But you can't underestimate the value that Brock Purdy brings to the 49ers yeah. in distributing the ball to those great players. Yeah, you almost get to the point now where the MVP is usually uh, the award going to give it to the top QBs. It's yep. unfortunate. Um, they didn't know Christian McCaffrey's in it now. And then the offensive player of the year is the skill posi- the best skill position offensive player in the league now. And I think that's probably Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I will be surprised if any of what we're saying don't happen tonight. If, if um, you know, what about what about defensive player of the year? That one I think actually is I is think a bit it's of a mystery. Be Miles Garrett. That's a bit of a mystery, right? There. That that could go to three. It could go. Durant Bland could get it, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't be opposed to that. I mean, he set records in the NFL this year for pick sixes. You could give it to Miles Garrett. I think Miles Garrett is probably the most likely to get it. And I would say, and you know, here's Cowboy fans. I can hear him. We have two finalists for the Defensive Player of the Year, and we had Dak Prescott as an MVP. We lost 48 to whatever we lost to. How does this happen in the playoffs? You guys have more All-Pros than anybody in the league. <laughs> you had the most talented team, the most talented roster in the league, arguably, because you had more All-Pros than anybody else and more Pro Bowlers. So what does that say? Yeah. The issue ain't the, the issue is not talent. Talent is not your issue. I know y'all want to say that, oh, I mean, we, need, we need this piece and that piece. No, you got enough talent to make it. Past the wild card round. The Packers. Exactly. And let's confirm, Packers were playing really good football. They damn near beat the 49ers uh, who were playing in this Super Bowl. But, yes, they need to play better in January. I got one um, for you. Do you, uh, do you guys think there's any surprise Hall of Famers announced tonight since they're naming the uh, – they have the finalists and they're naming the Hall of Famers tonight? Ooh. Andre Johnson's up for it from the Texans. Come on, AJ, Darren get Woodson. in there. Darren Woodson's up for it from the Cowboys. Hasn't gotten in yet. I would love to see that. Oh, uh, man, that's I'm going to say tonight uh, I'm going to go ahead and put Julius Peppers in the Hall of Fame. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Devin Hester's like another interesting one. Devin Hester. He's in, too, because he's one of the greatest. Well, but that's the thing is where do you put best kick returner? Do they care enough to put it in, or are they going to make him wait because people like to make him wait? That's true. I, I think when you go bet when he's in the argument to be the best kick returner in the history of the game, I think you let him in. Anybody's just a well, great kick returner. I, I just now. can't assume Darren Woodson gets in because he's been on the ballot for so long now. You're right about that. Um, but I'm going to say I'm going to say no brainers would be Julius Peppers, Antonio Gates tonight. I think he goes in the Hall of Fame. And then you got to pick a pass rusher rod. I mean, you've already put Peppers in. You've got uh, Jared Allen, Dwight Freeney. As possible Hall of Famers tonight, and then you got to pick a wide receiver because you have Andre Johnson, Reggie Wayne. But what about Willie Anderson at offensive tackle? Does he go in? Oh, that's a good one. Offensive tackles are offensive linemen are always tough. I mean, that's that's gotta be like a. It's almost an era thing. You have to, you know what I mean? Being on the all decade team. Yeah, like it's almost because they don't get stats, and you know we don't watch film enough on O linemen, so that one's always a little tough. The wide receiver one actually is is most interesting because. They've had to change really the criteria for Hall of Fame wide receivers because it was getting a log jam. There were too many because of the, the way the game has changed, become a prolific passing game now. They, they, this wide receiver stats are inflated. 100%. So what used to be considered an elite season for wide receivers, like, was well, that an elite season anymore? So they've had to almost reframe the conversation about wide receiver, and that's why Andre Johnson is really interesting, Patrick. Because if you go look at Receiving yards per game, and you go look at uh, recept all time. I'm talking about all time, all time receptions, all time, uh, you know, 
leaders in receiving yards per game, um, all-time receiving yards. Leaders. I believe Andre Johnson is like – he's like in the top 20 of all those. He's 11th in receptions and 11th in receiving yards all-time, all-time. With no quarterback. Without, without an all-quarterback. Yes, right? but if you go look at his touchdowns, ooh, touchdowns well, are ugly. He does not have a lot of receiving touchdowns. To by the way, the ProFootballNetwork.com, which is kind of run by Hall of Fame voters, yeah, they're projecting Antonio Gates, Julius Peppers tonight, Patrick Willis, great Niners linebacker, Jared Allen, and possibly Willie Anderson. Okay. It could be guys. And then Reggie Wayne down the list. So. Yeah. See, Reggie Wayne will get in before and Andre Johnson, even if they had similar stats because Reggie Wayne played in playoff games. And Got a chance to play for championships. Yeah, it yeah. matters. That's Peyton like Tory Holt, the greatest show on turf, but he has to share the ball with Marshall Falk and Isaac Bruce. Yeah. It's just too many yeah. people on that field. That's kind of like Darren Woodson's argument, right? There's already yeah. so many Cowboys from those teams in the yeah. Hall of Fame. It's hurting him right and, now. But, I mean, I covered Darren Woods. That guy was a great player, man. He was always my favorite Cowboy. Is he a Hall of Famer, though? That's the question. question. Yeah, like, because I'm with you. Like, he's a great player, but is he a Hall of Famer, meaning you're the greatest to ever play the game in your position? Grown up in Akron, Ohio, 20 minutes from the Hall of Fame, I've always been a protector of the Hall. I think it's become the Hall of Very Good at times. Exactly. But, um, you know, because that's also my my baseball roots, so it's really hard to get into the Baseball Hall of Fame, but arguably too hard. So I have have disagreements with both. But uh, either way. All right, let's come back. We'll do some Who Said That, Rob? Uh, Patrick will lead us through that. Good question there. NFL honors tonight. Uh, We'll be checking. Checking that out and certainly talking about it tomorrow. Hook him up with Ian Rodby. Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? Okay, who said it? We'll find out here shortly. Some good audio from around the landscape. Uh, but before we do, Patrick Davis keeping our eye on the NBA draft trade Twitter or ticker because the mm-hmm. trade deadline is 2 o'clock this afternoon, our time. And uh, uh, as you said, Patrick, maybe not a mega trade today, but a couple of small trades have been consummated this morning. A couple of smaller trades. The Pacers uh, trading Buddy Heald to the 76ers for Marcus Morris, uh, Corp Kamaz, and three second-round picks. Uh, that basically is Buddy Heald's a free agent, so is Pascal Siakam, and you got to free up some uh, cap space there. So it's a cap space move for the Pacers. And the 76ers add some shooting. Uh, and then the Utah Jazz are finalizing a trade to send Kelly Olynyk and Ochai Obagi, which we remember from Kansas, to the Toronto Raptors for Kira Lewis, Otto Porter, and a 2024 first-round pick. Uh, Utah is opening up more cap space to try and play around this offseason. There you go. Patrick with his eyes on the uh, trade deadline ticker, and we'll keep you posted on that all the way till 11 o'clock. And then, of course, afterwards, uh, Patrick will be talking about whatever trade's getting made today because he's working double duty to be on the sports complex. Can I play you a piece of audio? And who said that, Rod? Who said that? All right, go ahead and fire up one of the uh, ones I mentioned, uh, sent you there, Patrick. Who said this? I think Brock Purdy's an amazing player. Um, because I played against him at Iowa State. When I was in the draft room at Carolina, I, I brought his name up. I said, hey, guys, he should be on the draft board. I got vetoed on that one. But um, uh, you can ask Coop. Uh, but I, uh, I think, I mean, we used to tell guys when we played Brock Purdy, we're like, do not, do not fall for his pump fake, right? Because Brock would come out, he'd pump fake. And first game, he gets, he's 10 yards down the field, he pump fakes, our DVs are jumping. I'm like, guys, he's past the line of scrimmage. So a lot of respect for Brock. I, there you go. Yeah, Matt Rule. Matt Rule. Yeah, I saw that clip. Matt Rule. That's interesting. And there are there are some some sources. Uh, Benjamin Albright is one who says I happen to know this story is true as it was relayed privately before Purdy ever played a down. So 
Yeah, there you go. So Matt Rule's telling the truth. Well, he, yeah, yeah, and that comes well, from his big 12, 12 knowledge. Yeah, and, 12. You know, the scouts are like, come on, he's little. He had a bad senior year. What are we doing? Matt Rule's like, no, I played him three years. He's good. Yeah. That boy he good. Play. He can play. Yeah, no doubt about it. That boy I, good. Uh, I mean, we should at least be on the draft board. You don't even I, care where you slot him. The crazy thing about Purdy's uh, trajectory is that his best year was arguably early on in his tenure at Iowa State. Sophomore year, yeah. I remember after that, he had you know, mock drafts, had him as a first-round pick potentially in mock drafts, and then he deteriorated. Each year after that, his, his skill set just got worse and worse. And the assumption was, ah, we've seen the best of Brock Purdy. We've already seen the best That's of him. That's why I said, if they win the Super Bowl, should Matt Campbell be on the hot seat? Like, come on, man. <laughs> that, yeah. How did that guy got not get better under your coaching? With Brees Hall in the same backfield. <laughs> yeah. You got Charlie Kolar, who's out. He's with the Ravens now, Xavier right? Xavier Hutchinson. Charlie, Xavier Hutchinson. I mean, that team was had some talent on it. It really did. And the defense was actually pretty damn good, well, too. Yeah, you had a couple guys get drafted. That's strength, right? Yeah. Uh, with John Haycock's defense. They underachieved, for sure. Because uh, you, you feel about why Patrick Mahomes didn't win with Patrick with with Cliff Kingsbury. Well, they had no defense. Well, we know because some of the RA coaches don't give a damn about defense. It's a problem. Cliff Kingsbury and Lincoln Riley, they got the same issues. Yep. They can score points. They were scoring 50 points at Texas Tech in losing games. That's right. That should never happen. Uh, All right, Patrick, I sent you a few clips. We can uh, dial into them up and we can play. Who said that? That's really easy. Drake London. (laughs) (laughs) Bijan Robinson. I mean, this man has acquired some really good pieces and tools, right? And the things you got to change is just the obvious holes that we'll talk about, right? And we, 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 you're, every team every year is going to have some differences. Every team every year is going to have some change. Every team's going to be different. And we just got to keep building on those moments when they change, when they don't happen, when they do happen, yada, yada, yada. Yada, yada, I love yada, that he dropped in a yada, yada, yada at the end that. there. Whoa. Who's the last time you heard a coach drop in a yada, yada, yada? Is that Raheem Morris? That was Raheem Morris. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Bit of yada, yada, yada Seinfeld, reference. Seinfeld, That's what I thought about, too. Yada, yada, yada. What does that mean? <laughs> so there you go. Uh, he's really excited about the, uh, the skill talent they have there, basically. Didn't uh, he mention Kyle Pitts, either, which was weird. Yeah. He didn't mention Freaky Pitts. I'm on freaky, the stinky Pitts. All right, how about uh, this one? Uh, this is back to quarterbacks. I think you'll know this voice, and it's a good conversation uh, as it leads to uh, – uh, as it pertains to quarterbacks in the NFL and quarterbacks coming out. I'm sorry. It's making me try and log in here. Give me a second. I tell mobile quarterbacks, guys that are like me, the only way to greatness is through owning the data, going to school memorization and literally understanding every aspect of the game of the offensive offensive playbook and the passing game and then to become a sophisticated passer it's the argument i've been making about to the ravens about lamar jackson you know and they made that started to make that transition with him asking him to be a sophisticated passer he became better this year and i think he's on his way right there you go Ooh. I don't know who that is. He as a dual threat quarterback. It's not Steve Young, is it? Steve Young. Damn, Steve Young sounds different. He does. Well, he was. They were on. They were kind of on the. They were. They were okay. zooming in, kind of thing. So it kind of distorted his voice a little bit. Okay. Yeah, that was good. That was with Tom Brady on Tom Brady's podcast. He had a really good debate about quarterbacks, and because remember, uh, Steve Young would tell you that that he became. He was a runner. He was a runner. First. Wishbone runner out of high school. I, I I saw a great thing with uh, one of those NFL lives where, and this is great parenting advice too. Like he he was at Brigham Young. BYU, and he called his dad and said, Dad, I think I'm, I'm going to quit. He didn't want to play football anymore. And he said, well, you can quit, but you can't come home. <laughs> you can't come home. Yep. And so he said he stuck it out, and he became Steve Young. But he said he learned, he learned to play quarterback by watching uh, Jim McMahon. Like hmm. Jim McMahon taught him how to, to understand passing and quarterback, and obviously he worked on it. But he said he, he saw the way he released the ball. Once he, once he learned how to throw it properly and proper release, he became Steve Young, the great quarterback so that he is. basically he was like an autodidactic, taught himself? 
Well, is that what he's saying? Like I taught myself how to throw the no, ball. No, I mean he had great coaching, but he, he before that he studied Jim McMahon's release. He was throwing it awkwardly, and he would he would. Get no, no, his own that's way. that's you're teaching yourself how to, to throw the football. You're yeah. re right. You're re teach relearning mechanics. Yeah, and he's saying I did that watching on my own. I have a coach sit me down and go, hey. This is what's wrong with you. you Release is wrong. Yeah. He needs to see it himself. That's guys. That is a high, high football IQ. Yeah. To be able to do that, transfer that knowledge from watching it to be able to transfer it on the practice to, to field in the it. games. Yeah. Guys, that's next. Not, everybody can't do that. By the way, do you know Trust that uh, Steve Young is actually a descendant of the actual Brigham Young? Yeah, I think I've heard that. <laughs> yeah, it's actually true. I, I thought it, I know I know it was true, but I've heard people say, and I'm like, is that true? It's actually true. Saying that? Yes, in the, in the up the family tree. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, all right, uh, I sent you a couple of more clips. Maybe Pat, we can play one more. Maybe we can be done with. Who said that? Well, I know you can't control it, but if you could, where would you want to go? Whoever wants to take me. I mean, I. Uh, I'd, it's hard to say. I'd, I'd love to go to. Um, he wants the Niners well, to get yeah. rid of Kittle, and then he wants to go to the 49ers. I'd be all right. I'd be all right with going to the, the Tennessee Titans. I mean, I liked it down really? in, in the Georgia, yeah. Tennessee area. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I thought it was cool, but uh, yeah, that'd be a cool spot to yeah. be. Yeah, you hear that, Titans? Oh, I know you. Brock Bowers. The Brock Bowers. He wants to go to the Tennessee Titans. Now, he's a West Coast kid. I'm, t- I'm still seeing charges at five, man. Charges at five. That is such a Jim Harbaugh pick. That is a Harbaugh pick. When you got a young quarterback like Justin Herbert, you got receivers on the outside. His toughness, though, toughness. hard nose, oh, tight end. Man, yeah. that guy is such a good player. Yep. He was a big part of those two national championships, uh, not just catching passes, but hand off to the guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and you heard his remember, we had the audio of his coaches talking about no, this guy won't stop. This yeah. guy is relentless. Maybe he fought through the injury. We thought his, his season was yes. going to be over. He had like an emergency surgery and was back like maybe three, three or four weeks or something. It's like, what the? And is the top ten pick doing that? Yeah, Man, exactly. Not getting back on the field. You got that more guy, to lose in the game. That guy's awesome. Yeah. Well, remember, his coaches have talked about how the, he won't give up reps in practice. He, he won't stop. I mean, he almost, almost have to slow him down. Brock mm-hmm. I think Brock yeah. Bauer is going to be a star in the NFL. Uh, I do, too. Uh, I do. I, I, I think especially if he gets to Jim Harbaugh's team. I think this tight end class is actually pretty good, especially at the top. I mean, him and JT Sanders, a lot of, lot of upside. Lot of potential. Type. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing with Brock Bowers is he's already JT Sanders in the, in the offensive receiving game, but he can block like crazy. He can. He is a willing and tough blocker, which means shades of, of George Kittle because George Kittle loves to block. He's excited about his work, man. <laughs> yeah, let's sorry. He's excited about All his right, work. Let's get to the fabulous fifth hour here on Hook 'em Up with Ian Rod V. One more to go. We'll hit uh, uh, some behind the burn orange curtain here. More from Sark. They've got so much good audio. Might as well use the, the final hour to hear more from the Texas head football coach off of yesterday's National Signing Day State of the Program news conference. That's coming next on Hook 'em Up with Ian Rod V.